the views and opinions on this show do not necessarily reflect the views of ESPN Tucson 1490 and 104.9 FM or the Arizona Lotus Corporation. Got car trouble? Now's the time to talk with Jerry on the Simmons Car Care Shop Talk Show. Call in now at 719-1490. Well, if you're one of the millions who own one of them gas-drinking, piston clanking, air-polluting, smoke-belching, four-wheeled buggies from Detroit City, then pay attention. I'm about to sing your song, son. All right, welcome back to the second hour of the Simmons Car Care Shop Talk Show right here on ESPNTucson.com, 1490 AM. We are, I am no longer on 104.9 FM on Saturday morning. They, they changed the programming or something. But anyway, I'm not on 104.9. So if you buddies are, are say, did you go off the air like I got last week? No, I'm still on 1490 AM. Uh, no longer on 104.9 FM. So take that off of your uh, little list there. But pass the word. Pass the word. You know, the the listeners that I, that was questioned on the 104.9 have been listening like uh, ever since I've been on ESPN. And they would, hey, I thought you were off. I thought you went off the air. And I was just going to call a shop and said, are you still someplace else or something? No, I'm on 1490 AM on your radio dial. Okay. I, I said, I will put that out this Saturday and let everybody know. I should, I thought I put it out once before, but I probably didn't. You know, I can't even remember what I had for breakfast. Um, the first hour, I'm Jerry Simmons, your host, along with me riding shotgun is my co-host Jim Mooney from Frontier Towing. For all your towing needs, and Mr. Mooney, you're going to go ahead and do your spill on the, your super safe. Good morning, yeah. Jerry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'll do it again. Um, so, um, folks, I'm on the radio. That means it's super safe Saturday. It means uh, use your brain when you drive. Slow, slow down. Move over for traffic that's stopped or bicycles that are riding slow, even though they they may irritate you. Move over anyways. Uh, pedestrians, you know, pedestrians, guys, move over for pedestrians. It's, I know. I had I was I was driving down Cole Road the other day, northbound where it's closed off. Okay, it's it's restricted to one lane, and there's a guy walking in the middle of the road, the only lane that's open, and he's walking in the middle of it. And you know, I'm you know, and traffic's trying to go around this guy who's walking in the middle of the road. He could have stepped over three feet to be on the sidewalk, but no, he's walking in the middle of the road. That there were plenty of people that wanted to, you know, use him as part of the roadway. But the the better judgment was to stop and 
wait for him to get out of the way or move around. I get it; he was wrong, but you know the the thirty seconds or the minute I w- I spent waiting for him to get out of the way was far less than the 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 eighteen years I would spend regretting my poor decisions. So, and that applies to yeah, well, he was. No, no, he may have been wrong, but he didn't need to be dead wrong. Right, exactly. That's exactly right, Jerry. He did not need to be dead wrong. And because cause if he's dead wrong, you're not just because you're right doesn't mean you're going to be doing what you want to do. So, um, and mm-hmm. it, and if people people make you know it was like one of those he was doing it as a dare you know oh just hit me kind of thing. Of course, people don't think, you know, if getting hit by a car is no big deal. I see it in the movies all the time. Those guys get hit by the car, and they roll off, and they jump up, and they get back in the fight. It don't work that way, folks. You get hit by a car, you're not getting back up, ever, ever, ever. People don't get back up from getting hit by cars. It just doesn't work that way. So, um, well, If they do, it's probably by help by EMS, emergency medical right. services, taking them to the hospital. Okay. You know, not not every pay, not everybody that gets hit is dead, but why run the chance? You know, just assume that that car is a little bit bigger than you are, and that's a pretty yeah, good assumption there. It's always big. Jerry, you've done racing. How many people have you seen get hit by go karts that have been been injured severely? Go karts. Oh God. Go karts. Yeah, no. Exactly. So. It happens, folks, and and uh, it just the point is, just you know, do what you can, you know, to drive safe. Don't drink and drive. Don't text and drive. Just just be safe out there. You know, don't don't be angry at the traffic. And I know that's a tall order, folks. I know that's a really tall order. There are days when you just want to jump up and down and yell at it, but you know, it's it'll be okay. Trust me, it'll, it'll be from the guy who's seen a, a lot of people. I mean, a lot of people who got really angry with traffic and had to pay the consequences. Because I, I get to see those. Those people actually wind up in my office because well, their car is here. So um, right. I get to see the aftermath of what actually took place, and it's not pretty. It's not pretty by any means. So you know, mm-hmm. my my experiences. I know is you're frustrated, but it's okay. Pull off the side of the road. Go get a coffee if that's what you need. Go get a coffee. Pull, pull, go go shopping. Maybe maybe pull into a store and go shopping if that's if that will distract you. Do something to get not be angry at the traffic, but just be safe. So, all right. Well, the other thing, uh, on uh, one quick thing on motorcycles. I uh, had a guy this past week telling me about a guy that uh, he was driving down the road. And a motorcycle come flying by him on the bike lane. And I'm going, and he said, how many people are watching the bike lanes for motorcycles coming up on the right-hand side? And he said, what happens if somebody just assumes or they look in their mirror and they don't see them because this bike was really, and this actually happened to a guy. And this bike was flying down the inside. He said, what happened if he had decided to make a turn into a Circle K or turn into a donut shop or something while that guy was coming by at that speed? Because he'd come by so quick, he didn't even see him. He said, I wasn't turning is the only thing that saved his butt. 
So watch out for the motorcycles. It's okay to pass on the inside. And, uh, you know, if you're sitting at a stop sign, you can go in between the cars and go on up, and you can be first in line if you want to go ahead. You know, you probably have a few people complaining about it, but that is you can actually do that now according to the law. But I don't recall seeing anything said that you can take a motorcycle down a bike lane at 50 mile an hour or 40 mile an hour or 10 mile an hour or 20 mile an hour. If, you, if you're running 5 or 10 mile an hour, you've got a problem with the bike. Well, they've got emergency flashers too. You should be able to turn them on. And uh, But I don't recall seeing that legal. In fact, I don't think it is. But anyway, so just be careful. Be careful. This portion of the show is brought to you by, <coughs> excuse me, Merle's Auto Parts. Merle'sAutoParts.com. They have a machine shop over at 15 West Ajo that they do rotors, drums, flywheels on a Saturday. You can get it done. Uh, the phone number is 520-807-4010 to the machine shop at 15 West Ajo. Then you've got 10 stores located around town, and you can go to merrillsautoparts.com, and they'll give you the location closest to you. They've also got them out of state, uh, out of Tucson. Go ahead, Jim. Mer- Merle's Auto Boys. Uh, machine shop over there uh, open on Saturdays. Stores open on Saturdays. A bunch of stores all around the state, including <clears throat> Green Valley, uh, Marinci, Safford. Uh, I'm think they got one up in. Uh, they got got them up on the north side. They're pretty much everywhere, guys. They're all over the place. And if if you can't find it, you can go down here to the warehouse uh, down right here on uh, on South Dodge 4015, I think South Dodge. You'll know it. You get to Dodge and. And, uh, and if you're going, if you go, if you go south on Dodge, it 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 only turns right there next to Copenhagen. So it, it, you you'll run right into them. You can't miss it. So if you do miss it, you can turn around and go back to the direction because it's on a little sh- tiny short street. So, but big area. Go in there and see those guys. They know what they're talking about. They got a lot of stuff, a lot of knowledge, a lot of good guys in there. They'll 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 help you uh, diagnose your problems on the front counter. I've been there. A bunch of times. Sometimes I was just there the other day, you know, buying stuff. Uh, so they know what to look for, and no, if they back. don't have it, they they can they can get it. So, but uh, okay, you all right, Jerry? Yeah, I'm all right. I'm all right. It's just when the weather changed, so does everything else around here. Flowers are blooming, and all that stuff. You know the normal stuff that goes on in Tucson, Arizona. Uh, but yeah, I'm fine. Fine. Had just get a little bit of water. Uh, but they do have they have stores that are scattered out across the state. They've got them in Marinci and Globe, Casa Grande and Green Valley, in addition to the Tucson warehouse that Jim just told you about. They also have equipment and uh, equipment leasing programs, and they have a lot of specialty. They have the additives for the uh, engine. As far as the uh, additives that you need for diesel fuel and gas now, uh, anything you can get to help keep the salt carbons out of that engine, off the top of the engine, out of the engine, off the top of the pistons, and that's what you want to use. 
Top-tier fuel is a good thing to use. It tries hard, but it's every now and then you got to just give it a little bit of help because they can't design fuel for everything that's running out there. Um, and speaking of fuels, if you have your, you put your lawnmower up, your chainsaw up, your uh, boat stored for the winter time, make sure you have something like Staybill in the fuel to keep it fresh instead of uh, when you get ready to start it, it's turned to lacquer and it don't want to go. And then you've got a about a $400 bill trying to get that thing fired off just because of bad fuel and garbage in the fuel system. So stay bill, and you can buy that. Merle's has got it. Buy stay bill, pour it in there. You guys with the classic cars out there, I've got a Mustang. Uh, it's got stay bill in it because I don't burn the fuel out of it enough to to keep your fuel fresh. So I just put stable in it. And generators, these little electric generators that you have at the house, put stable in it. Uh, if you've got a dish switch at the house that you're using, put stable in it. And this all comes from experience. And I know when it works, when it don't. I am not a junior. I am a senior. All right, electric vehicles. Oh, my gosh. I am a proponent. I like electric vehicles. I think they have a place. I've been watching them intensely since nobody's come up with the solar-powered one yet that I can get hands-on. Electric vehicles. Now, we're talking about battery-operated only. We're not talking about uh, a hybrid where it has a gasoline motor to back it up. All right, 20 issues that is beginning to bug the uh, purchasers of electric vehicles. Number 20, short-range anxiety. Short-range anxiety. That that speaks for itself. You've heard it. You've seen it. Jim picks them up off the road all the time. Short-range anxiety is number 20. Number 19, is long charging times. In other words, how long does it take you to fill it up? We're spoiled. We pull up to a pump, we fill it up in three minutes, and you're back on the road. Now you've got 20 minutes to 40 minutes, depending on what your system is adapted. Can it use a uh, high-voltage charging system? Number 18, trip planning problems. In other words, now you've got to figure into your trip, not just where the roads are at, but do they have charging stations at intervals on this road to where you may need uh, charging? And I'll, 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 I'll qualify that in a minute. Number 17, mostly good for urban use. In other words, around Tucson. I think that that little uh, bolt-to-bolt or all, all the above, any electric car should be good if you use it inside of Tucson, Arizona, or around the uh, around the area. You know, look at figure out that all right, I'm supposed to have 150 miles. If you drive it around town because they have a regenerative braking on them that puts a little bit of charge back in a battery, you're driving around town, you push the brakes, you've got a little shot of electric going back in your batteries, okay? So you should be good around town on this. Um, not in, oh, this one, this one, well, let's, let's see, that's 16, all right, 
seven, uh, 16, not enough, not so environmental friendly. I thought, whoa, well, let's see what this says. Super envir- uh, environmental friendly is what people perceive this as. The car itself is environmental friendly. But we haven't considered the cost of production. The rising demand for electricity will only raise the level of global pollution far above what the... I didn't write this article, people. I'm just reading it. Far above what the internal combustion engines are doing now. Fifteen. Too expensive. That's that's a concern. They run anywhere from about uh, 27k, 27,000, to well over a hundred. I got a news flash for you. You go get the exotic cars; they're around 350k. 14 repair difficulties requires specific maintenance and service procedures, as well as an extremely high safety standard. Okay, 13, too heavy. A Kia Soul EV battery pack is 450 pounds of extra weight over the gas burner. Up to 1,000 pounds in a Tesla Model X. That's a lot of weight hitting the road, which itself weighs two and a half tons. Okay, so... uh, Maintenance, uh, see, and they have more energy consumption and maintenance, too. Also, the more weight you have, of course, it takes energy to move a load. Number 12, cold temperature issues. That has been noted right now by the Midwest up in uh, uh, Dakotas and stuff where they had the big storms come in. There was a lot of problems from there. Number one problem is less battery power can be a big problem in cold or everyday use. It sucks it down, especially in harsh winter conditions that could be life-threatening. All right? Number 11, this is just thing for you to just put up in your little computer and think about as you're going out to pick one up. Make sure that you have your infrastructure and everything you need. Number 11, low top speeds, most limits limited to 100 miles an hour. I don't see that as being a problem. I mean, if you're stupid enough to drive over 100 miles an hour on a car, assuming that it's going to be perfect, you need to be a NASCAR. You need to have a full roll cage, fire extinguishers, helmets, Hans device, five-point seatbelts. Don't drive over 100 miles an hour. You know, ask Jim about some of the stuff that he picks up off the road for the over 100-mile-an-hour guys. Highway driving consumption. The bragging miles is based on in-city and rural on highways as much as 50% less if you're cruising down the freeway. Remember that regenerative braking puts a little shot back in the battery? You don't have that cruising the freeway. You're going from here to Phoenix. You're not going to stop unless you have to stop at the little charging station. 
but you're going to drive all the way. You're not going to be on the brake. Let's say traffic is medium, so you're and you're paying attention. So you may hit the brakes one time between here and Phoenix on the freeway. So it is not regenerating the battery. That's the reason you can get up to 50%. You see on social media where these F-150s are towing a load. Well, that's like adding insult to injury. You're towing a load, which requires a lot more battery than towing empty, than running empty. And then you're not using a brake to even put anything back in the battery as you're driving. So it's like adding insult to injury. So yeah, I can understand why you'd lose 50%. <clears throat> Number nine, heavy loads. Excessive battery load. Heavy loads creates excessive battery loads. Number eight, ease of tracking your movements. Autonomous driving. Brake problems. Crash, uh, crash problems with autonomous drivers. I don't think it's as much as a vehicle as it is for the other people who are not autonomous. Because these vehicles that have gotten set up now are pretty much to where everybody talks to everybody the, uh, for the automatic drivers. Number seven, ugly. That's one of the concerns and one of the dislikes of the people. The, the cars are ugly, and they use the Ford Mustang as an example based on what Ford Mustang's supposed to look like. <laughs> All I can do is laugh at that. Number six. <clears throat> huh? That Ford Mustang, the electric Ford Mustang, is not a Mustang. I, it looks like a Kia Soul, okay? Just sorry, it looks like a Kia Soul. It does not look like a Mustang. So, Well, you go right along with this survey. Uh, treading, threatening existing economic models affects world politics and economy. In other words, they're pushing this thing, and when the uh, manufacturers drop the uh, regular gas burners and they go to these electrics, well, some of your third-world countries are not even set up. They don't have electric grids to even handle the electric cars. And so this is a, is a world issue. And so the people are going to say, hmm, uh, aftermarket car companies, uh they they're that's it's gonna affect them too. Uh number five, most ve- uh electric vehicle manufacturers or OE manufacturers will not are not quite sure yet which way they're gonna go. Are they gonna stay with the gas burners, the uh engines, and or they're gonna go all electric. Now the federal government is putting a lot of money behind this, a lot of money behind the research and development of the electric vehicles. Don't kid yourself. The, the, your tax dollars is behind this. And that's okay. You know, they're going to do it anyway. I mean, you know, so maybe they'll do it locally so the manufacturers and the R&D can make some money off of it. Uh, practically... Practically unsellable in the third world countries. That that's number four, based on it, uh, on the infrastructure. And number three, buyers still unsure 
they they actually con- buyers still consider it a gimmick. Number two, an EV can't be the only family car. And the reason being is because if you have to go out of town, can you make it on the EV? Do you have the infrastructure set up? And then also, it's a hard sell, number one, a hard sell. Depreciation values, depreciation values on your EV. EV owners say replacing batteries under recall will take years. Um, the owners explained, this one come out of Alaska. The owner explained she lives in isolated Alaska community with no dealers near, and the cost, uh, uh, closest one said the wait is four years. This is a recall effect, 140K Volt EVs due to location of the cars, and with personally hundreds of requests, <clears throat> your car, you understand why owners are now asked to wait four years. And this one little place up in Alaska, only eight batteries swaps per month at a Juno Alaska dealership is even possible. This town that these cars are in, that's very popular with this little electric car, there's 8,500 residents. A place where EVs is extremely possible is in Sitka, S-I-T-K-A, Alaska. Alaska. Batteries are shipped by barge. One 2020 boat was told about four years to get her batteries replaced. So you buy this car, it's got a recall, but there's nothing to fix it with, and you're you're out there. So, you know, location, 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 if you're going to buy one, you got to make sure you can get it serviced. Uh, I had a brother look at one three years ago. He was going to get a Tesla. And I told him, I said, you need to find out where you can get it repaired, where you're going to get it handled, and the closest he could get was 125 miles from his house. And he lives in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. It's a fairly good-sized city. But he, he was going to have to drive all the way to Charlotte, North Carolina, to a tester dealer over there to get this thing serviced. And I'm going, wow. So, yeah, this is real, this is real stuff. Um, and what do you want to add to these these are just little brains, just things that you need to think about when you're going to buy an electric vehicle. Now, we had a gentleman call from the University of Arizona, and he said, I would not consider a straight electric vehicle right now. <clears throat> I would go with a hybrid because a hybrid has its own little electric charger right on the car. And then when you run out of electricity, you go to gasoline, you're fine. It does it automatically. But while it's running on gasoline, it's actually charging your battery that's inside the car. Right now, to me, that makes more sense than buying electric. That's me personally, and I love electric vehicles. Don't get me wrong. I love electric vehicle. I think there's a place for them. I think it's coming in if you buy it for the right reason. And most of the consumers are buying it for one reason. Gas price. 
gas. I don't have to buy gasoline anymore. I don't have to buy gasoline anymore. And I'm saving a planet. No, you're not. Uh, reading in depth on the mining process of the chemicals. They're, they're still having to come up. They, they've almost got a way to recycle the batteries now off electric vehicles. Uh, they, that's, quote, they almost have a way. But they're trying to bring the chemicals out of the battery and recycle them so that they'll have enough to keep up with the battery demand because of the electric vehicles that are on the market now, in addition to the new stuff that's coming. It is technology, R&D, research and development, all the way right now. So when you buy one, believe it or not, you go into the statistics as, okay, they have one, and you, if you have a problem, you're definitely going to let somebody know about it. That's part of the process. So just think about it and say, okay, is that your only car you're going to have? And it's got a 150-mile range on it. I've got a neighbor that owns an electric vehicle, has a 150-mile range on it. When he goes to Phoenix, he borrows his grandma's little hybrid to go to Phoenix and back, and he leaves her the little car that's designed for the inside. I mean, for around Tucson. So I know this is being done. I see it. So if you're going to buy a all-electric vehicle, one of the little ones, and then by the way, that little Bolt or Bolt is about twenty-seven thousand, twenty-eight thousand. It's supposed to be twenty-two to twenty-three when it comes from Mexico, but it went up a little bit. I probably had a whole lot to do with the seventy-five hundred dollars that the that taxpayers are augmenting this car purchase for you, and. Um, so, and the dealers are not stupid. This is a cash cow for them. So they, they just go ahead and, oh, yeah, well, it's free money. you got free money on top of it. So why should you give a crap if it's 27000 instead of twenty two? So, and that's, that's just the way stuff is. So when you do that, all I, you know, this is just information. This is information. This is a, a composition of a whole bunch of articles that I've read on this stuff with the problems on them. And this is not all the problems on it, but it is enough that you need to be concerned about, especially if you like to get out and travel and your main thing is, I want to go from here to San Francisco uh, and I want to get by with as less amount of gas as I can because it'll cost as much as a, you know, like a rental car when you go on vacation. You spend as much on your rental car as you do on your plane ticket. So... Everybody's in it to save a buck. That's just the way we are, and that's okay. I'm the same way. But you need to know what you don't know. You need to know what you don't know. You got it. You can't assume if you're driving one that everything's going to run perfect, that you're not going to be sitting in the middle of a traffic jam in L.A. idling forever and burning that battery down, and then you complain about, well, I didn't get that many miles on it. Well, duh. There's a reason for it. Jim used an analogy on this show here a few years ago, a few years, a few months ago, a bunch of months ago, about if you think about it, you get a portable drill. You get an 18-volt drill, and you squeeze the trigger on it, and you just, you're shooting in a little a quarter-inch uh, sheet metal screw or sheet metal screws or something like that, and everything is working fine. But you're working it all day long. That battery is going to be almost gone before the end of the day. 
because you're using it constantly. And as long as you keep that, it's like going down a freeway. As long as you keep that foot on the pedal, you're going to be using power. If you overload your car, in other words, you put 300 pounds of stuff in it to take off someplace. <coughs> that is a heavy load in an electric vehicle. And they're already heavier, as, as the article put out. The lightest one that I seen was the 450 pounds, and that was in a Kia. And the heaviest one, of course, is in your Tesla, 1,000-pound battery. That's a lot. That's a lot of extra load to be taking down the road. The specs on these things, when they do it, is controlled. When they're looking for the mileage, if they told you that you were going to lose 50% of your battery running out on the freeway, you're going to say, well, what the heck do I need that for? If you're going to lose 50% of the mileage I'm supposed to get, that's a lot. And people are going, it's supposed to be like 250-mile cruises. They're down to like 80 miles, and they're towing a trailer. Trailer is a big wind drag behind a vehicle. A load in the back end of a truck is a load that takes additional power, additional battery power. And you're driving down the road and you're using the air conditioning because it's hot in Tucson. And you've got a little trailer on the back of the truck and you're going to Phoenix. You're not going to get the mileage that they're claiming that they have when they test them around town. They're testing them. They can't say you're going to lose 50 because that would not be good marketing procedure. They're going to tell you what you would get if you're driving around town. The same way with gasoline. They give you two ratings on most of the cars, in-town driving, over-the-road driving. I know some of the over-the-road driving, especially on the little electric cars, the little hybrids, the over-the-road driving is actually less than it is driving around town because you have the, the electric versus uh, the gas burner. So there's less gas going through if you've got the hybrid than it is if you're running a regular gas car. But they've got little cars out there that are, are virtually emissions-free, and they're getting 40, 41, 45, 48, Volkswagen Golf set a record at 52 miles per gallon. And that's in the Guinness Book of Records. Look it up. And But it's driving habits. Driving habits, and Brian Fuller nailed it. He said, all in favor of saving gas, raise your right foot. That is absolutely perfect. The number one killer of fuel economy in a vehicle is your right foot. Then it goes to air filter. But jackrabbit starts, oh, my gosh, that'll eat two and a half mile per gallon just on jackrabbit starts. If you just take off just wide open, yeah, i got to be the first one across the intersection. You're going to burn fuel like it's free. So driving habits is the number one killer. It's a nut behind the wheel. It's mechanical. It's the nut behind the wheel, <laughs> as my granddaughter found out. But, oh, I forgot, uh, Pima College, they've got a class that started at 8 o'clock. Anything you want to know about electric vehicles, it's down at the uh, automotive uh, class room at Pima College downtown. It started at 8 o'clock. It runs to 1230. I don't know. It's only about 20 minutes till, what is it, 20 minutes to 8? 
Yeah, it's 20 minutes to 8 right now, so you should be able to make it. I don't know if you had to pre-register or not, but I would drive down there with my $49 and see if I can get in this class. If you're considering buying an electric vehicle, maybe you need to go in and sit down and shut your cell phone off, sit down in that class and listen to what these – they've got four people presenting this program. It ought to be a good one. So uh, if – Huh? They will? Did, Jim, did you say they will or won't? They, they'll take... Yeah, they, they okay, have they'll take stragglers. Okay, they'll take stragglers. I just want to go down there. Yeah. Take your $49 and go to this class. If you're, if you're looking to buy one of these or your curiosities like mine is, uh, just go down there and take this class. And then all of this information that I've been pumping out this morning, and it's a lot of information. It's a lot of information. I understand that. But the sooner you start thinking about it, to it's just like when you go buy a regular car. There's a lot of things. You, already, you learn every time you go buy a vehicle. You learn something every time you go buy a vehicle. You learn something every time you buy an electric car. So why not get a head start on it and go to one of the classes that has got four different presenters, and that's going to be a good class. I'll just about guarantee it. I mean, it, the information that they're going to put out, because those guys have had to do a lot of prep in order to just come up with this class. And most of them that are doing this, they'll either have an electric vehicle or they've got a hybrid vehicle or they know enough about it to where their next car will be a hybrid vehicle or an electric vehicle. You can't lose money at $49 taking this class. I'll just, you just can't do it. It's, there's too much information. Jim and I can pump this stuff out to you and you can do what you want to do, but there just, there's only so much that you can, we can tell you on a two hour program. I don't know. We've been doing pretty good beating it up this morning. Um, Lens Auto Brokers, Lens Auto Brokers, they even had a couple of electric, they have the little Prius, little, uh, little hybrid cars that I like a lot. Um, LensAutoBrokerage.com and DesertRV.com. Brian told me if you just put the website out there, it's easy to negotiate. You can pick it up on your laptops or, uh, any of your electronic stuff. It's like smartphones. But LensAutoBrokers.com, they're located, if you want to drive over there, it's 2101 North Stone Avenue. And they are open Saturday. They open at 9 o'clock today, and I think they close at uh, 4 or 5 today. But anyway, they're, they're open now, or should be open by 9 o'clock this morning. And the phone number is 624 Hang on, I'm going to have to check it. I haven't called them lately. I normally just go on the computer. Uh, Lens Auto Brokerage is... Here we go. 628-7500. 628-7500 is their phone number over there. And you can go to his website and you can find what their inventory is. They do an excellent job of keeping their inventory posted on the website. And then if you spot a vehicle you want to go check out, go down there and kick a tire. 2101 North, uh, North Stone Avenue. Um, 
Another buddy of mine, which all of you are familiar with, is automotive specialist, Mr. Test First, Don't Guess, 520-572-1734 is his shop number. Brian's personal sale is 520-273-3852. Talked to Brian last night. And Brian said, please tell the people to do their maintenance. Please, please, please tell them to keep up with that maintenance because the stuff that he's getting in, now they've decided I need to do the maintenance on it. And, by the way, can you check it out to see what else I need? And then he finds out that everything has been ignored. And he said the tickets is almost, he said, if it will shock me, it will sure as heck shock customers. So he said, please do your preventive maintenance. Um, Simmons drive shafts, Simmons drive shaft specialist. If you have a problem with a drive shaft, a lot of times now they're called propeller shafts. To me, they're still drive shafts. 520-884-0217. That's whether it be aluminum, steel, mine shafts, agriculture, and we do complete balancing, including three-piece shafts at one time. I got a 25-foot base computer balancing process down there, and that's the way most of your box trucks and stuff come with three-piece drive shaft, and all three pieces are balanced at one time from the manufacturer. The only way to get them back to where they're perfect is you balance all three at one time. We found out that works extremely well. We have adapter U-joints over there. And we do drive shaft modifications on a daily basis. When you've got a Ford, you want to put a GM drive shaft in it, we can hook you up and fix it so that you can, if the length is right, we can do adapter U-joints. So we have all of that stuff at Simmons at 3743 South Country Club. Parker Automotive. ParkerAutomotive.com, 5101 East Speedway, 520. 520- 323-1960, Full service automotive repair facility, just like Brian Fuller's place on the west side. They do air conditioning. They do brakes. They do engines, transmissions, tires, oil service, front ends, uh, ball joints, anything. Brakes, everything that has to do with the braking on it. Uh, Alignments, computerized alignments. They've got a big fancy machine like I do at Simmons, like uh, Brian Fuller has and Parker has, state-of-the-art equipment to to do these. Um, I also understand when you go into Parker and you have uh, a vehicle repaired, you get an automatic front-end alignment check. They just do it right and give you the copy of it. You're on your own. It'll let you know if you need an alignment or if your alignment is good, and that's no charge to you. Locally owned, absolutely honest, and they also do complete runnability issues. You've got a light on, you can get it done over there. If it, if, if it fits your own location, it's 5101 East Speedway. Uh, complete runnability, repairs, and service. That's Parker Automotive. Brian Fuller. Most of you know that that guy works on everything in the world over there. 
He is an excellent diagnostician, and he sees he's still booked in about a week and a half to two weeks. And they just, but, you know, I don't know what Parker's schedule is. I know that Simmons has stayed booked about a week and a half minimum. And so that's working with full crews. Also, I still have an opening for a technician down at, uh, I have a guy that's trying to retire, but he's sticking around. Do we get somebody to replace him? But we have an opening for a technician at Simmons 4 before. And uh, go in, you can talk to Wade and fill out an application. Uh, he'll probably talk to you while you're there. If you've got a couple of minutes, you can spare. And we're looking for a good technician, uh, whether it be an A-tech, a B-tech, or a C-tech. But C-techs, we're going to have to assign him to the master tech that I've got getting ready to retire. But we'll we'll work out the details. You just show up, 3743 South Country Club. We open Monday through Friday, 7 o'clock in the morning to 5 o'clock in the afternoon. Drive Shaft Division opens at 8 o'clock in the morning uh, till 5 o'clock in the afternoon. But anything you want done on drive shafts, we can do it. If we can't, uh, we'll, I guess you'll have to buy a new shaft. You do not have to go to a OE shaft at $1,400 on most of the cases to have them repaired. They say, well, you know, you can't repair this. Oh, yes, we can. We'll cut the end off. I can put an end on it. It has replaceable U-joint capacity. So, yes, we can modify We've been doing it for 47 years, so and we have the equipment and we have a technician that can absolutely do it. We build race car drive shafts, we build NASCAR drive shafts, we build drag drive shafts so that you can't blow them up. You may unload a rear end or transmission, but uh, we haven't lost a drive shaft out there because we know what the shock is because Wade used to run super modifieds and knows exactly how to build these things. And Wade's been there for 28 years. So it, uh, I'm, I'm very proud of the shop, actually. All right. So now you remember the Pima College downtown automotive classroom Jim says they will take walk-ins. It starts at 8. It runs to 12.30. And that's on that electric vehicles. Boy, I wish I had some. I wish there wasn't a daggone far away. That place would be half over before I can get there. But that would be something that I would consider. Not that I don't research all the time. But every now and then, you just need to sit down and let somebody else do the talking. That's the reason i got Jim on here that I've been so not cooperative this morning. I've done too much talking. All right, Jim. What do you think? You're doing fine. You're doing fine, Jerry. What would you like to uh, cover now? I've well, got I've got add, additional stuff. I got. I was going to add some stuff on your EVs. Good. While, while, Go while you're on while you're on electric vehicles, okay. So, if you're considering buying an electric vehicle, and there's you know you've been romanced. And uh, by the by the no gas, I don't have to go to get the gas station. And my today my 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 registration is less expensive because well I don't have to pay for road fees although you will soon. Um, they just don't haven't told you yet. They haven't broke the bad news to you. But um, buying the vehicle is only half the battle. Um, 
And Jerry just went through a list of very prominent, very qualified shops. But they're not going to be able to work on your EV. Not because they're bad, but because the EV people haven't allowed them the technology to work on it. So Tesla does not allow their information out to the general public yet. Why? Geez, I don't know. Maybe because they want to keep all the work in their, in their own shop. Um, so before you go out, run out and buy one, consider the place you're buying it from. Uh, if you go buy a Chevy and you don't like the Chevy dealership, that is not the car to buy. I don't care how much you like the car, because the service experience you're going to have is so is going to be so bad because you're already going to be upset about it that you're going to completely not enjoy your electric vehicle. So before you go out and and jump in that, well, I don't know whatever it is, forty thousand to one hundred and thirty six thousand dollar car, um, you have to consider where you're getting it worked on. Not to say that Jerry's not a great shop. Not Simmons is a great shop. Like Parker's a great shop. Just like Brian is. I would have no problems with Brian trying to tackle an electric car if somebody gave him the information on which to tackle. He can do it better than anybody I know. But nobody's given it to him, and he can't yep. get it. So, yep. and and the guy the guy at the dealership probably doesn't know everything he needs to know either. So, as he will. I'm not knocking the guys at the dealership. They do have access to most of the information or, or the information, and they get to be it gets to be walked through by an engineer in in Detroit or wherever the headquarters is at. And it involves a lot of plugging the car into the internet and letting it do downloads and a lot of, a lot of chasing those those problems down. A lot of those problems are handled are not even handled by the local. They're handled by the OEM. And just the the deal the distributor of the dealership happens to be the the place where you get to receive the information. So as far as an electrical, yeah, exactly. And an electrical vehicle diagnostics is highly expensive. The just, I think there's a Redline makes a, a tool to test the pressure and the cooling system of the electric battery. Okay, just. Just so because electric batteries uh, have to be contained in a sealed can, and the Redline makes a, a device. I think it's twelve thousand dollars. Twelve thousand dollars, so I can test to see if the battery is intact and and the coolant's good. Well, that's a lot of money for a shop, folks. I mean, that's a lot of money for anybody. A lot of money for an OEM, but the OEM gets gets to get it from the dealer. From the the dealer gets to get it from the OEM. But that's a lot of cash to stick out. If if you think dealing with an electric car is easy, well, go talk to the guys over at Tucson Electric Power and ask them what kind of training they go through to work on electric power lines. Because that's what you're talking about. 600 volts, a lot of amps. You're talking about major, more power than what's in your house. And those guys at Tucson Electric Power fully understand what electricity can do to you. So they are... In, so trained and trained every day and go over every single little thing dealing with power. Because when they show that little thing on the TV where it says down power lines, it's like a rattlesnake where it'll bite you. Yeah, no lie. They know about it. That's why they say walk away. Get out of the way. Call somebody. That, call 911 where they can get it. Now you're gonna open. Now you're gonna get into this confined area with with all with this electric power, and you're gonna start messing around. You know, you have 
you have to have special tools, non-arcing tools, so tools that are that have uh, that are shielded, so they don't you don't short something out, or particularly yourself. Um, and <laughs> all that comes today. That'd be a bad <laughs> day. Today, that would be a really bad day, wouldn't it, Jerry? And all that today. Yes, it would. <laughs> so, so if you're trying I believe to buy a mark. car. And, it probably leave a mark. Yeah, that that's going to leave a mark. <laughs> yeah, um, a new tattoo. So um, if you're if you're looking at a new vehicle and you're looking at the the total experience of ownership comes with the service. If you if you're going to be if you think you might be unsatisfied with the service facility, you need to think again. I only say this because when when in in large trucks there aren't as many shops available as are for light duty cars. So we are forced to go back to dealers because we have to get specific programming. And mm-hmm. when there's only one guy in town and that one guy in town doesn't like you, you are not going to get your truck worked on. And you can beg and plead and you can jump up and down and he can say, no, I'm the only game in town and I don't like you. You can go to Phoenix or anywhere else you like because I don't have to work on you. And folks, I can tell you for a fact that that will leave a very bad taste in your mouth. And the reason why I know this is because I've towed into every vehicle dealership in this town, and I've been there with customers who've been in the yelling, screaming match with the service advisor or the service manager explaining their point, and the service manager's re-explaining his point. It's not pretty, and it's not something you want to get involved with. So I only say it because... Please consider the, the entire co- the entire ownership process. It's just not bought by you've got to have driving on. You've got to have realistic expectations. I mean, you know, you can't uh, if you change a tire, you just can't say, "Well, it needs it needs to be changed right now." And uh, I, I'm on I'm going to allow five minutes to change a tire. It's got to be realistic expectations. You've got to. Figure out you got to you actually have to figure out what you don't know in order to pull it off. But when you look at automotive and Brian Shaw, Parker Automotive Simmons, we belong to a thing called IATN, International Automotive Technicians Network. I can be working on a car, or and all of a sudden we run across something that's not covered in in any of the technical data computers that we have. We can put that out online. At four o'clock in the afternoon, come back the next morning, check a re, uh, for response. We'll get as many as ten different or uh, ten responses to this particular problem. And no, it's not listed in the uh, repair manuals. It's not listed in the diagnostic tree. However, this is what we found out, and and nine times out of 99 times out of 100, the percentage is very low, that we don't come up with an answer on that. I mean, we're on it. We answer a lot of stuff on four-wheel drives, uh, Jeeps, uh, death wobbles, and stuff like that. For shops that are not familiar with it or they just got into business and they're just going into four-by-fours because there's so many of them out there. But we answer a lot on IATN. It's International Automotive Technicians Network. Most of the guys that answer that are certified, well, probably all of them are, don't know. Certified technicians. All I know is some of the information that we get out of there 
I know for a fact it's not in the diagnostic tree. I know that it's not in there. Now, I have my little international, Tucson International Automotive Technician Network, too. It's called Brian Fuller, and it's called Scott and Parker Automotive. Even uh, Bill Nelson, when Bill was still in business, and I have about four good shops that I can go to, depending on how busy they are. And I, I'm very, very conscious of bothering another garage owner because I know how busy they are. But we've even shared technical data on the computers with our buddies. You know, I, uh, one guy will say, okay, Jerry, I just bought a Mitchell on demand system. What do you have? I have an all data. Or what do you what do you have right now? Uh, well, I've got the old version. Well, are you going to buy a new one? Yeah. Why don't you get the all data? Now, when we buy a new system, they're expensive. But if I've got access to their Mitchell on demand and my all data, he has access to my all data. All you got to do is come over there. Come over, dig in the all data, and find out because the two technical manuals for Mitchell and all data, they're all a little bit different. They all have a little bit different information. So we have to do our own R&D to come up with some of these unexplained problems that they're having on these vehicles now. But that's okay because we have the technical data. We go to it. You're not charged for it. That's part of our learning process. That's the reason they say the most work you can get done on a car in a day is six and a half hours out of an eight-hour work day because of parts and all this stuff. So realistic expectations, people. Just be careful. Pay attention. I think we're about out of time now. What do we got? Got like a minute. Got like a minute. All right. So when you're when you're buying these cars, used cars, new cars, uh, auto repair, uh, paint and body repair, transmission repairs at different shops, tire repairs, and also um, I'd like to thank Rick at Choya Metals. I was down there this week. I had some issues with a horse trailer, and he actually helped me out with that. I've known him for a long time. He's been around a long time. Good man. Rick at Troya Metals. And thanks again to Stacy at Discount Tires at Golf Links and Cold for the help on that horse trailer. Appreciate it. All right, we're out of time. Jim, thank you, buddy. Appreciate it.